Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. We have got a very cool live event coming up for all of you Los Angeles listeners. The American Cinematheque, which in my opinion is one of the best things about Los Angeles, is putting on something called Friend of the Fest. It's a week-long film festival programmed by podcasts and we were honored to be selected as one of those podcasts and this coming tuesday august 29th at 10 p.m at the los Feliz theater we will be presenting a screening of soap dish i think this is one of the best films ever made about the tv business and if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a theater you really should come it's going to be introduced by both me and ben blacker a rare double sighting and it's going to be so much fun to see it with an audience The movie has an incredible cast, almost worthy of a Dead Pilot Society pilot reading. Sally Field, Kevin Kline, Robert Downey Jr., Whoopi Goldberg, Elizabeth Shue, Kathy Moriarty, Terry Hatcher, Gary Marshall, Carrie Fisher, Kathy Najimy. Go to AmericanCinematech.com and get your tickets. This is going to be a blast. Also, our blast is our Dead Pilot this month. It is Trial by Matteo Borghese and Rob Turbovsky. Matteo and Rob have written on Silicon Valley, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Lady Dynamite, Only Murders in the Building, among other very cool credits. As you'll hear in my interview with them live on stage, where we did this at the Lyric Hyperion, they were recently nominated for a writing Emmy for one of their episodes of Only Murders in the Building. Like that show, Trial is a mystery comedy. It's about a famous comedian accused of murder It's a really funny pilot. And as usual, we had a great cast to read it. Look, in light of the SAG-AFTRA strike, I am not going to list credits for any of our actors. Our actors are not breaking any strike rules by doing these reads, but to avoid even the appearance of in any way promoting shows or movies, I'm just not going to mention their credits. Look these folks up. They all have very impressive resumes. Our cast was Mark McKinney, Ritesh Rajan, Kari Payton, Taylor Garen, Vinnie Thomas, Allison Rich, Patty Guggenheim, Craig Kakowski, Richelle Meese, and Morgan Jay. I should add that this was a new venue for us, and the sound on the recording is not as crisp as we would have liked for you longtime listeners. Maybe this will be nostalgic because it's closer to how our early episode sounded. But I think you'll definitely still be able to enjoy it. The comedy comes through. This is a really good one. Now enjoy trial after a brief message. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. (laughs) Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. (laughs) Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Matteo Borghese and Rob Turbovsky. So first of all, I should tell everyone that this week, Matteo and Rob were nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writing for their episode of Only Murders in the Building. 
So I figure 2020 was probably the worst year to get nominated for an Emmy. How does it feel to be nominated in probably the second worst year? <laughs> a little better. Um, you know, I would recommend to anyone getting a bunch of congratulations texts about anything. It's like, I felt like the Lexapro double kick. <laughs> Uh, well, we're going to be reading your pilot trial. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about what everyone's going to hear and where you sold this pilot? Uh, yeah, we sold it to Comedy Central, who took a couple looks at it and said, <laughs> no. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, maybe the studio's got this one right. <laughs> um, and uh, it kind of came out, I think the, it, the germ of the idea came because I I was an assistant at Court TV for years and years and years and years. And the idea of like a, a murder suddenly springing you into the spotlight was like really interesting to me. And so um, I, I kind of floated that idea to Rob and he was like, I don't see it. <laughs> and, and, and he was like, what if it happens to a celebrity though? Now I'm interested. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, and so that's kind of the, the genesis of the idea, I guess. Um, well, we're going to do it. We're going to read it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Uh, you have to see. This is great. A big hand for Mateo. This is Trial, written by Mateo Borghese and Rob Turbotsky. Act one, exterior Malibu colony. It's another beautiful day in a gated seaside community. Gardeners tend to lawns, a security guard sleeps in his hut, someone famous like Paul Rudd jogs along the beach. <laughs> a faint fragment of a Steely Dan song loops over and over. A man breathes rapidly, a familiar voice in a panic. Oh God, oh God. We see unblinking eyes staring, fixed, a horrible twisted grimace covered in blood. This is the face of Irv Gassman. He's dead. What do we do? What, what do I do? What, what, what do I do? And this voice belongs to Bradley Basil, in his 50s, self-obsessed, a famous comedian. <laughs> he stands over the body. He wears a silk robe over workout clothes. Around him, it's the aftermath of a party, the wealthy, middle-aged kind. Prescription pills, <laughs> wine bottles, a knee brace on the floor. <laughs> Discarded in a fit of passion. Wake up, buddy. Buddy, come on. Come on, wake up. He nudges the body with his foot. Its head rolls over, revealing a horrible blue distended tongue and bug eyes. <laughs> Bradley quickly kicks the head back. We cut to outside. Bradley's on his phone. He paces outside the pool house. Uh, there's been an accident. Someone's bleeding. It's real bad. My floor is covered with blood. And I mean, it's getting into the carpet. Sorry, sir, you should call 911. <laughs> what do you mean? This is Malibu Colony Security. Secure Malibu Colony! He looks back inside and notices blood pooling outwards. Bradley rushes into the adjoining exercise room. He searches for towels as blood continues to spread over the floor of the pool house. Where the hell does Gordon keep the towel? How am I supposed to... He finds a laminated oh. sheet of paper with a list of household items in their locations. Oh. Hand towels, cabinet two, towelettes, cabinet <laughs> towels, cabinet four. Bradley opens four. Towels, success. In the pool house, he lays the towels on the floor, soaking up the blood. That's when he spots an object and uses the belt of his robe to pick it up. It's a gun. 
Oh, shit. Bradley fumbles it and fires a bullet straight into the neck of the body. <laughs> splattering himself with blood. He rushes into the exercise room, frantically trying to wipe the blood off with a fresh towel while calling security. Malibu Colony Security. Hi, it's me again. Uh, let's, let's pretend that last call didn't happen, okay? There's a knock on the door. It's Bradley's maid. She shrieks. No, Gloria, don't come in! Bradley runs to close the door and trips over the body and looks back at the face recognizing it for the first time. Irv? Quick shots over music, a media firestorm brews. TV reporters report the latest. At first, we mostly hear from distinguished TV news talking heads reporting the facts seriously. Economy legend Bradley Basil, known for such films as Alfonso Cuaron's Pagliacci in Venice, as well as... Dog President 2 in Poochman was considered one of Hollywood's good guys until... The body of his longtime business manager and Ashley Madison board member Irvin Gasson was found in his home. As details of the case become more salacious, the tenor of the reporting changes. It's becoming a certain now we're hearing from TMZ. Guys, listen up. The coroner's report says homicide. Oh, snap. <laughs> now a guest on a talk show. He was like my comedy hero, but turns out he was into all this. On the floor of Congress, a GOP congressman holds up a photo of Bradley hanging with Hillary Clinton. Fart porn. <laughs> Sex parties. Fart parties. <laughs> and finally, we hear a singing cat on TikTok. It's not his first murder, he don't start killing at the age of 50, We see footage of press and protesters hounding Bradley as he hurries into police headquarters. We freeze frame as he flashes a thumbs up and the main title, Trial. We're interior an interrogation room. Bradley faces Detective Hanscom, a gruff, intense detective who looks thoroughly unamused. Hanscom turns a recorder on. I want to tell you a story, Mr. Baseman. When I was 11 years old, my parents were in a car accident and left them in comas. I used to sit between them, watching a dog president too. <laughs> it was one of the only things that got me through my childhood. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Now tell me why a guy who brought me so much joy has a beach house covered in blood. I don't know. I keep seeing Irv lying there. Detective Hanscom hands Bradley a glass of water. He reaches for it, but sees a smudge on the glass. He takes a moment to carefully wipe it off. Hanscom raises an eyebrow. You don't seem that broken up. I haven't in time to process it. I, and I may be overdoing the soul walk. I got this weird metal taste in my mouth all the time now. Uh-huh. Why don't you take me through the events leading up to Irv's death? Okay, sure. Um, I spent almost the whole day at a voice record for, for a wonderful animated movie called Primordial Soup. I play Amy, uh, a talking amino acid. <laughs> and we go to a Pixar recording booth where Bradley records lines in the booth with Jacob Tremblay. A director and some crew members watch from the control room. But Amy, why are you sad? Glycine without rhinos, we can't manufacture the building blocks essential to primitive life. I see Bradley in the control room muttering, mulling over the script. I don't get it either, but it's it's Pixar. They never miss. I mean, except, except the Cars one. Oh, and the dinosaur one. That one with Kevin Spacey had its moments, none of which he's in. Let me try something. Uh, see what you think. Listen, Glycine, 
You and Ribos might not like each other, but you're the only sugars Earth's got right now. So what do you say? Let's perform electrolysis. Bradley looks to the director, who nods, suppressing emotion. I think that will work. Spontaneous applause as Bradley emerges from the booth. In the Pixar hallway, Bradley heads to the door. The rest of the crew pats him on the back and takes selfies with him, etc. It was an exhausting day. Amazing work. Fans will be psyched to see you at Comic-Con this year. And I'll be excited to see them. Bradley leans over to Donald in his mid-30s, his level-headed, if slightly too old, assistant. What's Comic-Con again? Is that the thing where those weirdos dress up like animals and bangs? No, it's the uh, most important marketing event there is. You're doing a panel, promoting... Bradley is barely listening. His eyes have wandered over to Debbie Tremblay, Jacob Tremblay's mom. (laughs) (laughs) Then again, everyone works so hard, too. I always recognize that. Bradley sneaks over and covers Debbie's eyes from behind. Guess who? Here's a little hint. Your friends will never believe it. Uh, Is it Bill Murray? No. And I'm the one that taught him this move. (laughs) Debbie turns around and squeals. She immediately takes a selfie. Jacob makes a wonderful protein, by the way. (laughs) So I decided to throw a low-key party to show my appreciation. We cut to Bradley's home, the hot tub. Debbie and Debbie's mom friends chill in the hot tub, playing with Bradley's drone and drinking pre-mixed cocktails. <laughs> Hope there's room for one more. Behind them, Bradley wears a bathing suit and a snorkel. Any of you up for some deep sea exploration? Oh. Don't worry. All you gotta do is hold still. <laughs> Bradley tosses the mask and gets in. I bet you've used that one before, Mr. Hotshot. You're the first girls I've ever trusted enough to invite over. <laughs> okay, let's see if I remember. Uh, Debbie, Donna, Aaron, Amber, Janie, Jamie, and oh, ooh, this one's tough. Debbie? Wow. They clap playfully. Oh. Debbie number two is especially impressed. <laughs> Bradley snaps a photo of the girls and texts Irv. Waiting for you. Water's warm. Back in the interrogation room, Detective Hanscom quotes the text off a notebook. And these MILFs are hot. <laughs> I assume MILFs refer to the women. Don't me to me. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure on men like me to date much younger, but I don't. Anyway, I'm hitting pause on all that stuff till all this dies down. So I take it you and Irv Gassman, a married man, did this often? No. Hey, I thought you were a fan. Irv didn't even show that. Back in the hot tub, Later, Bradley waits, still in the snorkel. You waited and waited? It's later. Most of the moms have left. Bradley offers Debbie number two, who's clearly pregnant, a bond rib. (laughs) She declines and leaves too. The ladies left? Babysitter is getting grumpy or something. I went to bed alone. Bradley reluctantly takes one last bond rib by himself. In his bedroom, it's 12 a.m., Bradley looks defeated as he gets into bed. And you didn't hear anything strange. No good, no gunshot. Bradley grabs an iPad, goes to a cam girl site, puts on headphones. <laughs> Through a window upstairs, Bradley masturbates innocently. <laughs> I was sound asleep. How was I supposed to hear anything? Through a window downstairs are two flashes of light. Gunshots. Back in the interrogation room. Then the next morning I found them. God, it was horrible. Maybe if I'd gotten there sooner. He sighs. He's truly sad. Don't beat yourself up. Gunshots to the head tend to be fatal. 
<laughs> Bradley nods, casually pops a Zoloft from a bottle. Are there any leads? Who could have done this? Maybe his wife. It's always a wife, right? We got some ideas. <laughs> Hanscom gives a fuck this guy nod to the mirror. You keep nodding at that mirror. Why? What's behind it? Is it uh, like on TV where there's like some stone-faced lady with rattly voice and gray hair staring daggers at me? Or, or is it just like a coffee machine? And if so, it's a latte of a <laughs> For Bradley Basil, we'll make it special. Detective Hanscom stands and leaves Bradley to examine himself in the mirror. You know what? He doesn't look bad. In the observation room, Alex Bridge, in her 30s, and looking exactly as described by Bradley, grabs a freshly brewed latte from a nearby coffee machine, watching Bradley watch himself. Detective Hanscom enters. Guilty as fuck. <laughs> Guilty? Yes, but is it as fuck enough? Because we're gonna need all the as fuck we can get to put Bradley Basil behind bars. But what does that mean? Oh, come on, Bridge. Bradley invites his wingman over, they get messed up, fight over which child star's mother's gonna get a producer's credit, and he turns nasty. <laughs> it's a slam dunk. Plenty of people have access to that house. Pilates instructors, ayahuasca shamans, <laughs> other shamans. We got his fingerprints on the gun. We got blood spatter on that robe, or chemise, or whatever it is. All consistent with the story. You want a witness? I want an airtight case. I'm tired of getting beat by these rich assholes. Still pissed about Shalou, though. <laughs> Alex gets a faraway look in her eyes. All of the farmer's market on the west side, that drunk bastard had to run his cyber truck into mine. <laughs> the guards in Malibu Colony keep a book of who's going in and out. Maybe, maybe someone saw something. We go to Bradley's home, the driveway. Bradley exits the SUV, avoiding crime scene tape. He's kind of getting used to this. He waves to a bored cop who guards the side path to the hot tub. Hey, Randy, mail come yet? The bored cop just glares at him, disgusted. Donald gets out of the driver's side of the SUV, checking an iPhone. Uh, Nespresso wants that complimentary cake of K-Cups back, and Jerry is canceling your comedians and cars tape. Seriously? Did you tell did you tell him we don't even have to even get a coffee? We can we can split a soda and you know, dodge darts. <laughs> oh, anything else? Donald takes out an additional iPhone to check. You know, uh, Pixar wants to chat about your uh, Primordial soup appearance at Comic-Con? That's how it starts. We know how it ends. I cannot lose this gig. <laughs> That's all the bad news. I promise. And I'm gonna look for another job. Uh, you don't need an assistant. You need a lawyer. I left work for Mark Garagos and uh, Marty Nassarian. Nersessian? <laughs> that ponytail tragedy maggot is only going to make me look guilty. I need you, Donald. Really? Because I need a smoothie. Like the special kind only you make. Please. Donald produces keys, unlocks the front door. He notices through the window that the back gate is already open. We go to his office. Bradley and Donald enter. Bradley slurps a smoothie. I wish I could drink this smoothie for. <laughs> the TV is on. TMZ plays. Basil the Butcher! And then Chet, ba Chet Basil. Chet Basil, 21, kind of like a golden lab on Molly, watches on the couch. Donald quickly grabs the remote and turns it off. Chet, what are you doing here? It's my dad's fucking house, Don. Hey, how'd it go with the cops? Everything's cool, right? Chet, 
This isn't like the time you set off those fireworks into dry brush and they had, ev had to evacuate Tabanga. This is serious. <laughs> Pixar is going to drop me from the movie. Uh, is there something I can do? Could you explain that enjoying an occasional party or a totally legal adult film isn't evidence that I killed my best friend? Yeah, maybe I should go on some fancy news show and say that. I'll be like, big ups to my pops, bumbleclots, 100% not guilty. <laughs> and Mario Lopez would be like, word. <laughs> uh, lots of pros there, uh, a few cons. It's a bad idea. But if I, but if I did it, and Chet sat next to me and said nothing. I could show everyone that I'm not some monster like my character in Monster Babies 3D. I'm a family man like my character in Robo Dad 2. Daddy's not included. We can even get your sister involved. Do you have her number? Me and Courtney? Are you sure? Why not? We're pals. But you wanted to be emancipated? What did I say? I said yes. <laughs> Maybe just take one meeting with the defense attorney. Bradley nods, pretending to consider this. We go to a Brentwood restaurant. Donald approaches a maitre d' as Bradley stands nearby, disguised in Dog President 2 swag. <laughs> Sunglasses and a hat with dog ears. Uh, hello. Uh, we have a reservation under Beverly La Cienega. Every patron in the restaurant is already gawking at Bradley. Some are on their phones taking photos. Someone leaked the code, man. <laughs> Maybe we should just go. This is Chet and Courtney's favorite restaurant. They've been drinking for free here since they were 12. And they have, a picture of, and they have my picture on the... Uh, as, he the, the? as he speaks, restaurant workers take his photo off the wall, <laughs> leaving the photo next to his untouched. It's Mel Gibson. Oh. <laughs> oh, but you leave him up. I even said one thing about one Jew. Bradley. Courtney, 18, and bored vampire chic, waves from the restaurant door, surrounded by paparazzi and their flashing cameras. Over here by the International Press Corps. In the parking lot, Donald brings a bunch of takeout to Bradley's SUV. Bradley rolls down the window, grabs the food from him, and then immediately rolls the window back up. Thanks, Donald. You're the best. I can't believe what I'm eating in a parking lot like some bird. Are you going to do something? Funny, Courtney, but this affects all of us. But I have a plan. Chat, say the plan. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dad's going on Paula Glass tonight, and he wants us to be there. Paula Glass? The lady who filmed herself getting a black market anal bleaching? <laughs> Sweetie, your internalized misogyny is showing. She's a very well-respected reporter, and she's a pal, so home field advantage. You don't think I did this, do you? Of course not. You can't murder other people if you don't notice other people exist. <laughs> See, that's great. You sat in the interview. <laughs> uh, why would I do this interview? You've tried to bang most of my friends and all of my teachers. You spent my childhood doing Sega commercials in Japan. I'm the exact wrong person to rehabilitate your image. Because, sure, I don't think you're guilty of murder, but I definitely think you're guilty of being an asshole. Uh, you're being kind of hard on Dad. Chet, has Bradley ever come to see you DJ? No. And who picked me up at Promises last month? I don't know. Who? Wait, what? Was it me? It was Paul Rudd. <laughs> he's been more of a dad than you've ever heard and he's just your neighbor Paul Rudd waves at Bradley from another car <laughs> why is he even here? he thought it was a bad idea for me to come by myself I already agreed to the interview so if you don't want to be there then leave both of you 
What did I do? You participated in an ambush on your own father when he needed you most. Bradley, don't be like this. Upset, half bluffing, Bradley opens her door for them to go. Wait, I still have fries left. Chet <laughs> grabs a handful of fries. The kids get into Paul Rudd's car and drive off as the paparazzi swarm Bradley's SUV. And that's the end of Act One. This episode of Dead Pilot Society is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain's the first ever Bake from Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen, from frozen, in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. My last box, and I've been a subscriber for a while, as I've said, my last box had some of my favorites. It had the slow fermented olive oil ciabatta and the plain sourdough loaf, classic. But I also got some giant chocolate chunk cookies, which were so good. You know, I love it when we're making dinner and we have a wild grain loaf in the freezer. It's so easy to just pop it in the oven when you're making the rest of the meal. It finishes right around the same time and you get a hot, fresh baked loaf of bread. It could not be easier. Put some butter on that, let it melt right in. Here's a tip, don't put your butter in the fridge. Keep it in a butter dish on the counter so it's nice and soft. It's gonna change your life, especially if you're a wild grain subscriber. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can get any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries you like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash deadpilots to start your subscription. Subscription. That's wildgrain.com slash deadpilots. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Kell. The queen is dead, long live the queen. And the fast talking, fist clocking, Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. No ring the bell. Act two of Bradley's home in the driveway. A harried producer supervises PAs and cameramen setting up equipment around Bradley's house. Bradley approaches them with Donald, who hands out bottled waters. Hey, where's Paula? Montauk. A shark bit Martha Stewart. <laughs> Big story. No worries, we'll do this via satellite. No, no but, but a satellite interview is way less personal. The lighting won't be as soft and warm. Sharks bite people all the time. It would be news if it didn't happen. The producer shrugs and leads some cameramen into Bradley's house. Bradley turns to Donald, quietly outraged. This is a disaster. I need my scene partner here in person. Bradley takes a seat on a box of lighting gear. I've been completely abandoned by any of you. I've been completely abandoned by everyone who's supposed to care about me. I'm still with you. I mean, met the fans. People at Soho House. My own fucking kids. When all this blows over, they're going to look like such pricks. Everyone will. But you told Chet and Courtney not to come today. I'm under a lot of stress. They should have understood the subtext. 
Tires squeal. A tricked-out Acura swerves into the driveway. Chet and Courtney pop out. Bumba Glatz, I'm here to support my old father. Pop, pop, pop. Ting, ting, ting. Courtney elbows him to stop. No, no finger guns. It's a bad look. Bradley instantly embraces Chet and Courtney, smiling with paternal pride. Bumba, clap to you too, Chet. <laughs> See, I told you they'd come, Donald. Chet gives Donald the finger. This is going to go great. Hey, Chet. He points to a cute PA not far off. Gross, Dad. I don't know. I think she's hot. Bradley sneaks up behind the PA and covers her eyes. Yes, Her friends will never... The PA whips around, sees Bradley, and screams. He screams, too. It's a disaster. He's really got to stop doing that. In Bradley's office, Chet and Courtney watch as makeup and hair people fuss over Bradley. The sound guy clips an audio pack on his waist. Hey, watch it. I just got a mole removed. Bradley turns to his kids, hands them a bunch of note cards. I had Donald prep some talking points to hit. No freestyling unless it's about how Ice Cube taught me to freestyle on the set of Cough and a Half, Two and a Half. <laughs> That's card number 12. Bradley, I don't think anyone cares that you were an early investor in J-Date. Yeah, and this one says you're 39. <laughs> he shushes them and quickly turns his audio pack off. Be serious. I, I cannot end up like Robert Durst. I mean... I mean, I'd love an HBO show, but not like that. <laughs> I only have that sad little cameo in the Nexium documentary. <laughs> you want to know why Chad and I decided to help you? I assume because it's because you love your dad and desperately want him to repair his image. You're the best. Bradley tries to give Chet a pound. Courtney intercepts it. Chet, tell him what Paul Rudd said. Uh, some pretty amazing stuff about forgiveness, actually. <laughs> Uh, but he also said we can look at this as an opportunity to repair a relationship. Chet and I will stand in front of the cameras and smile, but you need to do better. After they find whoever did this, start coming to Chet's shows, or at least click maybe on the evite. We're ready for everyone. Bradley takes a good look at his kids. They seem so hopeful, asking for the bare minimum. <laughs> I'll do that. Why not? Thank Paul for me. It's good advice. You'll be at my show? For real? The genuine shock in Chet's voice cuts into Bradley. It's already on my schedule. Donald, pencil me in for Monday. You sure? Yes, I'm sure, Donald. Now, smoothie? <laughs> Donald shakes his head and leaves. Bradley switches his audio pack back on. We're in the DA's office. Alex Bridge works through a huge stack of papers. Hanscom enters and tosses the security logbook on her desk. You were right. This is going to be a tough one to nail down. The log says he has no visitors that night. I mean, none at all. Detective Hanscom points to the logbook. No entries under Basil. No Irv, no girls, no shamans. The, old entry, the only entry is the uh, maid the next morning. But we know the moms were there. Ahead of you. I tracked them down. Bradley made them enter through a hidden entrance off the beach. So they wouldn't be on the books. And neither would anyone else. Unless he wanted them to be. So no witnesses. Except for Bradley, and he's not talking. I can't believe we've been outsmarted by the guy who got permaban from Twitter from sexually harassing the Stakem's account. <laughs> Hanscom takes out the remote control and clicks on the TV. Hey, come on. We have work to do. He's going to be on Paul the Glass tonight. I doubt it'll top the carpool karaoke he did, but might be fun to watch. <laughs> In Bradley's kitchen, Donald makes a smoothie, obviously frustrated. We had a spell. Just want to know where you keep the towels? I labeled the drawer. <laughs> you kind of run Bradley's life, huh? Well, we're all 
always looking for someone on the inside. The producer hands Donald a card. Donald looks surprised. He's not going to need your smoothies when he's in jail. And we'll pay what you deserve. In the living room, Bradley is in front of the lights and camera, ready to go live. Courtney and Chet sit down next to Bradley. Sorry about the Martha thing. Good news, the shark's okay. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Wouldn't want to have a dorsal fin right now, though. Hey. Uh, anyway, uh, you get it. Gotta chase those ratings. Hey, that's the biz, right? That's right, so understanding. Hey, how about an on-air confession? <laughs> They're old friends. <laughs> Three, two, and we're live. Uh, we're in the TV studio intercut with Bradley's home. Paula Glass turns to address a monitor next to her desk, Nightline style. Bradley smiles, flanked by his kids. Bradley, let me extend my sympathies. You've had a hard week. It has been painful for me, but not as painful as it has been for the victim. This heinous crime, my dear friend, Mr. Erglasman. It seems like your kids have really rallied around you as well. Paula, my dad is as great a dad as he has been a comedian, philanthropist, and Region 2 Sega spokesperson. <laughs> Knock it off, Cord. I've already bought your Christmas present. Chet, hey. It has to be hard hearing all these negative things about your dad. Very hard. But I know they're not true, because I know my dad. He's been supportive of me my whole life, and he'd never let me down. Bradley smiles. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you're attending the Pixar panel at Comic-Con on Monday. Yeah, that's right. Never let my fans down, either. Courtney and Chet exchange looks. This is news to them. In Bradley's office, the lights click off. Commercial time. Bradley conferences with Chet and Courtney. Donald hands him his smoothie. Two minutes over back. Kids, that was great, but uh, the love you have for me really should feel more natural, more organic. Make the words your own. Just just don't change them. Uh, you're going to Comic-Con on Monday? Sure am. Hope I get to meet Ziggy. <laughs> what, what's Monday? It's Chet's show that you promised to go to. The whole reason we're doing this stupid thing. We'll figure it out. I need to concentrate. This is the most emotionally wrenching part of the interview. I might even cry. Well, uh, we'll have to read about those tears later, Dad, because we're leaving. They get up to leave. Bradley panics. <laughs> but there's, an, there's another segment left! The crew takes notice. Bradley forces a reassuring smile. In the bathroom, Bradley shuffles Chet and Courtney inside. You promised us we were important, that you would make time for us. What's that? He carefully turns <laughs> off his audio pack. There. You are important. Okay? And maybe I screwed up. In my defense, last week, you said you wanted to be a marijuana entrepreneur. <laughs> and the week before, a, a professional juggling coach, whatever the hell that is. Sorry if I didn't take this week's passion for DJing seriously. It means a lot to me. They all mean a lot to you. But DJing, juggling, what's the difference? <laughs> DJing is my passion. Jelking is the ancient technique to stretch and lengthen the penis. <laughs> if you loved us, you'd know that. <laughs> In the living room, the producer chats with Paula through her earpiece. So wait, it's a pet shark? Jesus, this thing's got legs. No, the story, obviously. <laughs> Paula hears something. It's Bradley and his kids arguing. What is that? Is that Bradley? Can't be. He turned his mic off. Yeah, 
his mic, he only ever thinks of himself, which means... In the bathroom, we see that Chet's audio pack is on. And the worst thing, the thing that makes me think you're as bad as everyone says, your friend died, and you don't even seem that upset. I'm upset. Really? Irv's body was barely cold and he launched a PR campaign. Listen, guys, Irv isn't some perfect, innocent victim. He, he had his demons, okay? Courtney and Chet look at him skeptically. Back in the living room, all the glass is listening. You're getting this right. The producer nods. Bradley's voice is now on air. About two months ago, Irv convinced me to let him invest a little of my money. Okay, a lot of my money. And a lot of your money. And I said he knew how to beat that Laotian stock market. I was impressed. I didn't even know they had a stock market. In the Brentwood restaurant, the maitre d' and the staff sneakily watch on an iPhone. Either way, he started ignoring my calls. I thought if I could just talk to him face to face. In the Pixar studio, Debbie Tremblay quiets the Pixar gang gathered around the TV. So I invited some hot moms over. It was a trap. I knew we loved hot moms. We all did. <laughs> Debbie covers her son Jacob Tremblay's ears. So why am I not sad, Chet? Because he wasn't my friend. He was a crook, and I'm glad he's dead. In the DA's office, Bridge and Hanscom share a look. There it is. And I know that sounds awful, and maybe it is, but I have to be me all the time, and I'm tired of it. So there it is. He looks at Courtney and Chet, who are unconvinced. I'm sorry. Maybe Courtney's voice, right? I am guilty. In the living room, Bradley emerges from the bathroom. There's silence. He looks around. He sees the entire crew looking at him. He belches. That was not a durst <laughs> He belches again, holding back some vomit, and that's the end of Act Two. <laughs> Bradley and Donald sit in the waiting area. A secretary takes selfies with Bradley in the background, not so discreetly. When I said I was guilty, I meant of being an asshole, not murder. <laughs> it was in the context of a previous conversation. Donald stares at Bradley, disappointed. <laughs> okay, all right, and, and okay, maybe I should have told the cops about the money and all that. I just, it, it just mistakes enough. <laughs> it's a motive. You never thought it was worse to keep it a secret? I thought I could get away with it. People oh, used to be so accommodating. The Ivy would find a table on Friday. Scores would relax its no-touching policy. The Lakers would secretly lengthen the court just to add a seat for me. I thought it would happen again. I was wrong. I should have gone to the lawyer first, like you said. I tried to warn you. But thank you. Well, um, you're welcome, Bradley. Uh, you can count on me. Donald nods solemnly. He takes out the producer's business card and tears it up. What did you just tear up? Nothing. That's how you do it. Obviously, it had a lot of symbolic value. <laughs> no, no, it had no value. You can go in now. The secretary takes another selfie as they go into the giant <laughs> office. Marty Nersessian, slick with a ponytail, greets Bradley. Bradley Basil, you're having legal trouble? You're about the last person I'd expect to see in here. Um, 
Do you watch television? <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I know you're a deep shit. Right. <laughs> he takes a quick selfie with Bradley. We see the wall has a few of them. Marty with Robert Blake. Marty with Phil Spector. <laughs> Partner Sessian, call me Marty. Great to meet you. Thanks for paying my consultation for you. And, uh, have a seat. First off, I want to let you know I'm innocent. First off, I don't really care. I'm getting you out of this, but you should have come to see me before you ripped your own dick off and shoved it through your head. <laughs> like that arrow Steve Martin used to wear. You know Steve? No, not really. Yeah, he's the best. Uh, <laughs> oh, he has done some dark shit. <laughs> and he's free as a bird, so relax. I got the DA's number. She's still sore from losing her last sure thing. And guess who's got the dozen dummies on that jury to acquit? Jury? Is there, is there going to be a trial? This is all happening so fast. Marty chuckles. He smiles ruefully. As he talks, we see Bradley taking this all in as if for the first time. Oh no, if anything, this is going to be long and drawn out. First you'll be arrested, then arraigned. And after a tiny taste of jail, we'll bond you out. Probably. Say goodbye to your Pixar movie. Then comes the trial. A couple months of constant scrutiny. Your entire life under the microscope. So that part will feel like years. And it might be years. Who knows? But if I do my job, it ends in acquittal. And following that, a nice long vacation in some sleepy locale far away from Western civilization. Tanzania? Myanmar? Orlando? People are going to hate my guts. Only a little. But we'll try to negotiate a nice, quiet, easy surrender at your house. No photos, no cuffs. Maybe a turmeric shot in the back of the squad car. Maybe. In Bradley's home office, Bradley and Donald wait for the cops to show up. Bradley steps out of a closet, freshly dressed. Never dressed to surrender before. Is more white? Uh, maybe a, a blazer? Or a nice sweater? Something light you can pop over your face. A notification pops up on his phone. Reminder, DJ Chet invited you to Wet n' Wild at the Ace Hotel Pool. <laughs> the cops are coming to pick you up. I'm sure Chet will understand. Bradley looks out his window, sees his hot tub, now a crime scene. The bottles of liquor and the bong remain untouched. Irv lived a full life, didn't he? He was only 45. <laughs> and he had a son around Chet's age. You're his godfather, actually, but I don't think they'll hold you to that now. Call Marty. Tell him I'm not surrendering yet. There's something that I have to do. What about the nice, quiet arrest we talked about? I don't care if the whole world sees me get dragged, kicking and screaming into a squad car. I'm going to support my son in whatever freakish shit show he's mixed up in. <laughs> we go to the Ace Hotel. Bradley and Donald enter and are shocked to find that it's packed. Kids dancing. Chet DJs hopping between turntables. It's kind of impressive. Even Courtney, sitting in the booth, seems to be enjoying herself. Wow, I did not expect so many people. Did you? You know, I'm guessing the news drove up the attendance. So, so you think these are fans of mine? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Bradley smiles. You seem to be having fun. I'm tapping the beat. <laughs> Bradley moves to the beat. Other people spot him and whisper. Chet notices the commotion, stops the music, and grabs a mic. Hey, sorry, Dad. Could you come back and ruin my concert a little later? Chet. If Ur's death taught me anything, is that there may not be a later. So go ahead and, and, and click that play button hard. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could believe you. 
it's not your responsibility to believe in me. It's my responsibility to believe in you. If I failed at that, then none of my success matters. I love you, son. Chet hugs him. Courtney looks moved. The crowd cheers. Bradley steps to the side to let Chet feel their, their admiration. Let's dance! Chet puts on a record, and as the needle drops... Stop where you are. A bunch of cops, led by Detective Hanscom, storm into the party. Hanscom starts to cuff Bradley. Hey! Get away from my dad! <laughs> Your dad's under arrest for murder. And just so you know, he also did that None of My Success Matters monologue in Dog President 2. <laughs> the crowd turns on I meant every word! It's parallel thinking! <laughs> Marty arrives, irate, pushing through the mob. Ah, what, what's going on? I had an arrangement with the DA! And he broke it to go to a party. Just like he broke his arrangement with Irv. Not to murder him. <laughs> Cries of murderer as Bradley is led through the crowd. Marty tries to calm him, though he is annoyed. This is what happens when you don't go quietly. That squad car turmeric shot is probably off the table now. Courtney pushes past Marty. I have to admit something. I was spending that time with Paul Rudd to make you jealous. I'm sorry. I know you were, Courtney. He wants to take me to look at colleges, but maybe you can do it instead. I want to go to Brown. I hear they grade in hugs. <laughs> Bradley hugs her deeply, despite being cuffed. Well, consider this your first A+. Plus. I'm proud of you. And I hope someday you'll call me Dad again. Dad? I don't want to be a DJ anymore. <laughs> but you're so good at playing with those little knobs. Oh, I want to clear your name, even if it means finding the real killer. Bradley is touched. Dead or alive? <laughs> no, not dead. For God's sake, not dead, Chet. Chet grabs the mic as Detective Hanscom leads Bradley out. This is racism! Racism! Worse than what the CIA did to cancer and Bob Marley's soul! And that's the end of Act 3. We're in the tag. It's the Comic-Con Convention Hall. The director answers questions at a Comic-Con panel. There is notably an empty chair next to Jacob Tremblay on stage. He's a nice guy. He's been happily married for years. He's a comedy icon. He's the new voice of Amy, Mr. Paul Rudd! <laughs> Fans go nuts. Paul Rudd sheepishly appears and waves. We pull out to the TV show in Paula Glass tonight. One person not so happy about that announcement. Bradley Basil. For the motive, an opportunity, and a mountain of evidence against him, things look bad for Bradley in this upcoming murder trial. But tell us what you think on our talkback show, Dish and Death! Hashtag Dish and Death! <laughs> the squad car, Bradley strains to watch more Paul Rudd footage on his iPhone while cuffed with Hanscom and Alex Bridge. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> That's some good news. We figured out what Irv did with your money. Really? Can you get it back? Oh no. He stashed it in some untouchable Swiss bank account. Hope you got some cash under your mattress. Oh, I guess the joke's on you, huh? Because you're poor now. <laughs> Hanscom and Bridge high-five. Bradley's face turns ashen, and that's the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed that. Come back next week. 
to hear my interview with Mateo and Rob. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Finling. It's edited and mixed by Jordan Katz. If you like the show and you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Maybe tell a friend about us. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. And we're still on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. Until next time, I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening.